Welcome, welcome, welcome to Armchair Expert. I'm Dan Holt. I'm joined by Mrs. Holt. I wish. Oh, don't we all wish we were Mrs. Holt? (laughs) (laughs) What an attractive SOB. I know. I don't think we've ever had such a mutual attraction to somebody, right? Tall, kind, talented. So nice. I Mm. felt like very engaging, very chill. Very chill, very no airs. Exactly. A man of the people. That's right. Nicholas Holt. Oh, my gosh. Nicholas Holt, who is in, you know, one of my top three favorite shows, The Great, just finished the second season. Holy (laughs) smokes, is that fucking season delivered. He hints at it in this episode that people like it more than the first. Yeah. I found that improbable. I now believe him. Wow. It's sensational. He also was in X-Men, Mad Max, Warm Bodies, Skins, About a Boy. But of course, we're here to talk about The Great. I love The Great. You will too. You must watch The Great on Hulu. Got to. This is my only real disappointment in you. I know it's a grievance. Now that you're in love with him, aren't you more inclined to watch it? Absolutely. I'm just behind. Okay. Please enjoy Nicholas Holt. We are supported by Squarespace. Guys, we have a Squarespace website that's just gorgeous. That Wobby Wob, you uh, you built that yourself using all the templates, yeah? I sure did. Yeah. Easy peasy? So easy. The best part about Squarespace is it's an all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. You can get discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools, and you can choose from professionally curated layouts and styling options with Squarespace Blueprint. Plus, you can kickstart or update written content on any website, product description, or email with Squarespace AI. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial and save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with the code DAX. Okay, when did paying someone back become social media? What do you mean? Well, let's just say I'm a weirdo and I want to be messy and see what you're up to, like who you're hanging with. I can just stalk your pay app and find out what you're doing. I knew you did that. (laughs) No, I did not do that. (laughs) I don't do that. I use Apple Cash. It's built into your iPhone, easy and secure. You can send and receive money right in messages and keep it between friends and then use that money any place Apple Pay is accepted. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Monica, please keep it in the chat. (laughs) Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. He's an Those are very triggering shoes for me. Oh, good. So I knew these dudes for a minute, not good dudes. When I was in 10th grade, my father and I went on vacation for a week to Florida. When I came back, we had been robbed. Then I bumped into someone that was a mutual friend with these other two dudes. And they were like, oh, my God, do you see Ted got brand new pumps? And they were like 180 bucks back then. I was like, how the fuck did Ted get pumps? And I'm like, oh, my God, they robbed us. You got confirmation About, that it was them? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They were busted. We had to meet with their family. Oh there was a God. whole thing. They would have gone on a shopping spree and their family noticed. And That's always the thing, right? If you're going to get a load of money from crime, you can't go buy nice things straight away. Yeah. It's always a giveaway. How old is 10th grade? 15 and you turn 16. In my head, I imagined like seven or eight year olds. I don't know. Because I don't know all the different grading over here. So I was yeah. like, wow, they robbed your house. I grew up in a real tough area where seven and eight year olds robbed. <laughs> yeah. So when I see pumps now, it's like I'm both excited for you because A, this is incredible Reeboks getting in the mix now too with their reissues. So just right there, I'm excited. But then I'm also triggered. It's also a very traumatic memory. I didn't rob you to get them. <laughs> okay. Well, that we know of yet. Where do you live? I live kind of like 15 minutes from here. Oh, you do? 
kind of go back and forth between here and London, I guess, because work and all that sort of stuff. But it kind of been out in LA a bit more for the last four or five years. We've met. Where? You know that, right? No, I don't oh, think okay. so. Oh, good. I love oh, it. I love I this. I love this. Me. God, because I get so stressed when people do this to me when they're like, <laughs> we've met. And then you're like, I don't remember it. And now I can do it to someone else. Oh my God, wait, we met? We met at Button Willow Racetrack. Get the fuck out. You were with Steve DeCastro. I was with Matt. Oh, from Yamaha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, we were riding. We spoke for a a good half an hour, 45 minutes, maybe. But you know what's really good about this? Hold on, hold on. This is great. I'm so embarrassed. No, 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 no. no. This is really good for me because when we were chatting, you spoke a little bit about Top Gear America. And I get a little bit of social anxiety, but not like terrible. Like I still go out, but then I, I have it worse, like in hindsight. Afterwards, I'm like, oh, God. And when you were talking about Top Gear America, I said, oh, I didn't realize they did an American one. And since then, I've thought about that moment because I'm like, did that come across as rude that I hadn't seen it or didn't know that there was an American version of Top Gear? So I've thought about that since. So the fact that you haven't even, <laughs> that you didn't even remember the interaction, I'm like, okay, you can really relax in hindsight a little bit about upsetting people. Okay, you've made my day as well because <laughs> most generally I'm interviewing people who I've met and I remember meeting them and they don't remember meeting me. I always feel bad for myself in those situations and now... This is almost worse. It's worse. It's yeah, worse because I seem like it's a dick. Worse, yeah. But yeah. You know what's funny? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I was going to admit all this to you anyway, so this is kind of perfect. I started watching The Great. I just obsessed, particularly like fell madly in love with you to the point where I bet I do this once every three years with an actor. I'm like, I got to find out everything about this guy. And then so I look you up and I go, bye. God, it's the kid from About a Boy. The truth is, I just missed the five things that you were huge in and hugely successful. I just missed those. And then I saw you on the great. So had we met like six months later, I would have embarrassed myself because I'm a super fan. (laughs) Thanks. I mean, I am. Let's go back to Button Willow, though. What were you riding? Have you done a bunch of track days? I was on one of Matt's Yamahas. I was either on an R6 or an R3 that time. Uh-huh. You were on an R1, I think. And I remember you were fast. Thank you so much for saying that That's publicly. Really kind of it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, he was fast. And I'm really slow on track. And I was thinking about the other day, it's like embarrassing how slow I am. Because I started off a few years doing track stuff. At first, I was progressing. And then I think I've just reached like peak fear. And I don't do it enough to like overcome that at yes. the moment. And I'll be excited. Yeah. And I'll go home and I'll be like, oh, I'm alive. Oh, I can relax. Can I ask why you even wanted to do it? Because I have a very specific reason I got into it. Why did you decide I want to go to the track? I got to drag my knee. This is a must in my life. You know, my dad was a big F1 fan. And so I grew up like interested in car racing, all that sort of stuff. I got into bikes because of, I did a film called Young Ones right after we filmed Mad Max. It was also in that South Africa. And my character was meant to be like this badass guy who rode motorcycles and whatever. So I went and learned to ride a bike for that. Oh. And then was like, okay, so I like the feeling of riding bikes, rode on the road for a little bit. And then met a bunch of guys out here. Uh, Sean McDonald, who used to work for Cycle World. And then he like was setting up a track day at Laguna Seca. Oh. So that was the first day I ever went on track. Oh my God. What a track to be on your first well, day. Well, terrifying though, because it was also like a journalist day. And you know, all the journalists are like fast, ripping around. like, And there's me just like terrified. <laughs> and that track's so blind, you can't see anything. For people who don't know, it's tons of elevation changes, several blind turns. I applaud the fact that your first track day was Laguna. It's definitely expert level track day. Yeah, in hindsight, I should not have been there. Why did you get into it? I went on vacation with Ashton Kutcher 18 years ago. On this vacation, his then trainer, Duffy, came. Have you met Duffy? He's in DeCastro's Oh, uh, wait, has Duffy got like blonde hair? Yes, he's yes. inordinately jacked. He's a Navy SEAL. He's carrying around, what, 240 of muscle at 5'11". He's a superhuman. 
And he's been Brad Pitt's trainer for life. So he was training Kutcher for some movie. I happened to be on vacation. Duff and I really hit it off, and he had brought this documentary faster. And it's just MotoGP documentaries. Right. And we watch it over and over again all week on this vacation. And the whole time I'm like, you're a fucking coward. If you don't do this, you're a little fucking scared. I was just berating myself with what a loser I'd be if I couldn't learn to do that. Oh. It was like a challenge. Oh, oh that sounds self loathing. Yeah. <laughs> I hated myself until I could do it. Do you it. feel good now? Do you, are you Super like, good. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yes. Yes. All right. I do. I do. How often are you getting out there? Well, I got home from that and I immediately went with Duffy and DeCastro to a track day. That was probably 17 years ago. And then I probably went once a year, every year. And then two years ago, I started going kind of a lot again, like five or six a year. Yeah. And then last year in quarantine at Sonoma, I was finally getting what I would, like the fastest I've ever been for sure. Well, I was really having fun, passing people, doing all, everything. And then trying to pass like 12 dudes into a turn, breaking on the inside, guy turned in early. I hit the front of him. I came off, I broke clavicle in four pieces, four ribs, my hand, the whole nine yards. So that was my first oopsie. But in 17 years of going to the track. It's pretty good. I think so. Do you want to go together? I'll totally go. Yeah. Matt, Matt literally texted me the other day and I haven't been in town for so long. And he texted me and he was like, oh, we're doing a day. I can't remember where it was. And I was like, I want to go more. Yeah. Because I want to break down the fear of it and also just be like, at least not embarrassingly slow. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're going together. You, we're now friends and we're, I'm going to take you when I, whenever I go, you can come. Sorted. Perfect. And, yeah, perfect. Done. I had a ZX4 built. I've heard these are pretty good. Because my R1 got stolen, I might step down to a, like a Moto2 bike. robbed a lot. He literally right? got robbed the other day. Oh, I got robbed Saturday. Oh, this Saturday you got robbed? Here? Yes. I was in the sand dunes. Yeah. My wife calls me Saturday morning and says, I think your Hellcat's gone. I go on the Uconnect app. By God, it's in Lancaster. Told the cops the address. They went there. It was sitting right there. I now have it back. Oh, it's back. Oh, good. <laughs> I had my second or third bikes in London got stolen, which also I shouldn't have had it, but I had a, I had a Ducati 899 in London. I parked up. I was going to the gym, and I needed some money to pay the boxing trainer, and I was like, oh, I just jumped off, kept my helmet on and everything, ran to the cash point that was like right there, busy intersection in the middle of London, literally gone for 60 seconds. And I'm like walking up and down. I'm like, my brain must be like really messed up. I don't know where my bike is. And I'm like, did I not park it right here? In that time, someone had like driven up, thrown it in the side of a van. It was like unbelievably fast. And what's so wild about that is we were just in London. The entire place is camera. You commit that crime knowing I'm fully being filmed. Yeah, although I conveniently they were in a spot where there were no cameras. Oh. It was outside an old bank and stuff. And I was like, well, there must be some cameras, right, to the police. And they were like, no, there's not actually on that little bit right there. And I was like, oh, come on. <laughs> when we were there, we took like a 10-mile walk at one point. I didn't see a police officer one time in 10 miles. It was like a three-hour walk. What were you guys there for? My wife was shooting. And so I took the kids there to visit mom for two weeks. And then Monica and I recorded some people in London, which was great. Oh, nice. And then we hung out with Daniel Ricardo. Oh, great. We had a little day that? on the town in London together. I've never met him, but he seems fun. Who's your guy? Who's your F1 guy? Let me guess. It's Max. It's not. Oh, my God. Lando? I like Lando a lot. I always like McLarens and the McLaren team because I grew up watching it with Mika Hakkinen and that. Senna, too? The Senna was a little bit before when I started watching. Okay. I like Lewis. I've met him a few times. He's always been really cool and sound, and I, I, I appreciate what he's done for the sport, and I'd like to see him win another championship and have the record. I also, I've been doing a little bit of racing with Ferrari, so I'm also like a Ferrari fan, and, oh. um, and I like to see Charles Leclerc doing well in that as well. So, so it's kind of like, I'm not really like rooted in one person. Like Me if someone neither. has a good race, and it's like, it's kind of the same following basketball and all that. Everyone's like, who's your team? I'm like, no, there's not a team. It's like the best storyline in a way. 
I agree with that. I find myself rooting for several of the drivers. I love Max. Can we just talk about how unhinged he is? It's, it, it, you want to talk about someone good for the sport? Like, you don't know what's going to happen. I mean, the thing for the sport is like, I have loads of people talking to me about it now because of the documentary. Do I have to survive? Everyone's now like really into it, which is fun for someone who's been, kind of been into it for a while. Is it annoying or do you like it? No, I like it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm not like, oh. I, I was first. I was first. Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, because it's not like I was like some diehard fan that like knew like the minuscule details and like was like, oh. That's fair. But if the whole world became obsessed with going to sand dunes, I wouldn't like it. The whole world showed up at Button Willow to do a track day. I don't know. I don't know if I'd like it. That's what's nice about Button Willow is it is kind of removed. And they have a new track you know they're going to open up soon. Oh, yeah? Yeah. They've built an entirely new beautiful track that's not open yet, but it's about to be open. Maybe we will be... At one of the oh, inaugural I rides. I didn't know that. Should we end the interview and just get on some motorcycles? <laughs> and Let's blast go. Out of here? Let's go. <laughs> okay, so back to when I didn't remember meeting you. Was I nice? Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah, you know, you were perfectly nice. Then uh, that was more why I was like, I don't know, I just had this fear that you were like, thought that I was a dick. And I was like, oh, man. And I wasn't. I don't think I was. No, you're clearly not a dick. Uh -huh. You know what happens is, have you ever like had a, a server that you know really well? Like you go to the same restaurant, you know each other, you have a rapport. You bump into them in the grocery store and you can't place it. Has that ever happened to you? Like out of context. I have face blindness and name, like just can't remember anyone's name suddenly. And all of those things strike me in the wrong moment where I'm like, uh. How about when you've got like eight friends with you and you've got to introduce all of them? I don't do that. Good for you. I just avoid that completely because I'm like, I'm definitely going to bomb this. Yeah. So I just go, I just go, you've all met, right? <laughs> and then they can figure it out because it's just, it's too much stress. Because I do also think like when I'm at the track, it's so removed from Hollywood in the best way, which is yeah. why I love going there. That I just don't, like I'm in a different headspace. Like, there's no way I'm talking to other actors or other anything. Yeah, well, you're focusing on other stuff, hopefully, trying to be alive. I'm really getting excited about this future motorcycle I, relationship. I know, I'm a little, you know... The whole interview's going to be about it. No, so. you were going to step back from racing. Because of the accident? Well, I had a new bike built, so I was always yeah. going back. Okay. Well, this is the thing, because I'm so slow in the bikes, I'm like, well, you can never really race. In cars, I'm like better i've got some speed ferrari have been very kind of kind of let me into the program a little bit and i'm like are you doing ferrari challenge i was in miami the last two days doing their uh, corso pilota okay just finished like the second stage of that and was doing some good ish times yeah, you know yeah, considering yeah. i'm not getting like a whole lot of track time this so i was exciting. like what are you in that you're in an f8 Oh, um, really? The next stage is when you get into the challenge car. But we did a lap in the challenge car, which is like different level, completely insane. Oh, I'm so um, excited for you. I'm sorry. So, I'm like, sorry to like just only this talk. This is cool. No, I did a similar thing um, with Lamborghini. I oh, did, you did the Super Trofeo series. Right. Okay. How was it? It's incredible. Well, you know, you grew up watching racing. Mm -hmm. To show up and there's a car there and like there's a team. Yeah. And then you get in and drive seems impossible. And it's also, there's like this beautiful ability to like really see progression. And if you're good at something with that sort of stuff, whereas like in our game, there's not really that so much. It's like, yeah, so, you know, people reviewed that well and like whatever, but otherwise it's like, did I do it's well? It's subjective. In that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, no whereas metrics. that, it's like clearly they look at the telemetry and they're like, you were early. And you're like, oh, was I? And they're like, yeah, clearly you lost half a second here. Well, that is what's wild and now available that wasn't available when I started driving, which is like, you think you ran a certain lap. Like in your mind, like, well, I braked as late as one could break in turn five. And now they know. Like the cars have so many sensors on them and they're getting a real-time data output of it. And they look at you and they go, no, no, you broke at the fifth marker. Sorry to tell you. You got to be dead honest. Oh what do God. you drive in real life? I don't have a car. Sean, who I mentioned earlier, it works for Indian and uh, Go Takanami, uh -huh. who has a custom shop down in uh, in Long Beach. 
He does like, these brat style bikes and they've just built me a custom Indian chief. Oh, really? Which he's dropping off tomorrow. I saw it for the first time last week and it's beautiful. I'm like so excited. Oh, yeah. So, That's fine. So then I'll be, ride, I'll be riding around on that. Yeah. Okay. Is your dad still alive? Uh, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. He, he actually got into bikes after me as well, interestingly, because he saw the fun I was having and was like, oh, I want to try that. And I think it was also like a little bit of a father bonding sort of nice thing. And so you guys all ride together? Yeah. You guys were close growing up? Uh, yeah, he was an airline pilot, so he was back and forth a lot traveling, but close, yeah. Like a commercial? Yeah, for British Airways. So did you get to travel a ton as a kid, like for free? Yeah, a fair bit. Where do English people go? Like, we all go to Orlando, Florida. Uh, I, don't th- I, don't, I don't think we went to Orlando. <laughs> it's a shame. It's a sh- uh, damn shame. We did get to travel a fair bit. Did you go to Africa? Yes, we went to Kenya. It's one of my favorite ones, and it's actually one of the clearest ones, even though I was like four or five. But I remember because we'd gone at Christmas time, and Santa Claus was on a camel on the beach, which at that <laughs> age, you're like, oh, this is quite, a, <laughs> quite a, an image that you remember. My older brother and sister were watching... Uh, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, you know? That oh, movie? we watched it last night. Right. Literally. Okay. Oh so they were watching that. Yeah. And you know the bit where the child catcher comes like upstairs and they're hidden under the floor or whatever? Yeah, yeah. That bit got to me, I guess. And I like freaked out and like ran out of the room that we were using. Like, you know, when you have the connecting rooms, I went into my mum and dad's room and was like, ah, they're watching a scary movie, blah, blah. <laughs> and he like passed in there, like ready to like scold my older brother and sister, being like, what are you watching? Like, it's, it's like, traumatic for him thinking they were watching something terrible. It's Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Oh my God. That's um, great. And you were raised largely because dad was traveling a bunch. And then your brother, yeah, I guess he was at a boarding school or something, your older brother? No, no, no. He was at home till 18. Then he went off to uni, but he was 12 years older than me. So. Oh, 12 years oh, wow. older. So you were six. So, yeah. Okay. So the point is you spent a great deal of time around sisters and a mom. Yeah. This is ideal. Anyone who has a boy, I just wish they could figure out how to get this done where you're basically raised by women. Yeah. Do you yeah. think I mean, it's a good, was, ultimately? You're, I, mean, I feel like it's been good for me. Yeah. What is it that you see about it? Well, I had a single mother, so I didn't really have a dad around. So I think I'm very comfortable chatting about emotions. I'll talk about that forever. I like to sit and look eye to eye and talk to people. That's very much a female way of communicating. Like boys are supposed to play an activity and look in different directions and then maybe they'll talk, but probably not. But women will sit down, they'll stare right at each other and they'll start chatting. And I I clearly got that from being raised by a woman. Which is good for podcasts. It's it's incredibly useful. That would terrify me. The idea of trying to host a podcast, that was like... Oh, why? The pressure of like having to be able to talk. That's like... Scary. Yeah. Did you ever do improv? Not really, no. Do English people have improv? <laughs> I don't I don't think it's as big as it yeah. is on the scene here. It's not an institution. There. Yeah. How old were you when you did About a Boy? 11, 12? I was 11, yeah. And do you know you, Nicholas was in his first movie at five years old? Oh, You're wow. younger than Delta. Oh, wow. That's so young. That was a film called Intimate Relations. At the time, I, just, I wasn't a big role in it. So you were in a porn when you were five years old? <laughs> yeah, check it out. All I had to do was be like, I was Julie Walter's grandson and I had to eat like cake. And, and did you eat too much because you didn't know better and get a little tummy ache? Maybe? Probably, but I feel like I'm pretty good at eating and not getting a tummy ache, yeah. which is like... Yeah, you're, um, you're, made, you're cut of a different cloth. You're a specimen. That's what's <laughs> going on. training yeah, yeah. to be able to do that. <laughs> but you also did ballet. Right? Yeah, 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 which is weirdly, I'm like trying to learn this dance routine for this job, but at the moment... And I was suddenly like, oh, this is lucky that I did ballet. And again, that goes to growing up around a lot of women and, and being in that world and being comfortable. And what was it like, though, at school? I think I was pretty lucky where it was like, a, I grew up in a pretty nice area most of the time. And obviously there was like, there's bits where you're like, Ugh, mm-hmm. this is awkward. And I definitely feel like I don't want to draw attention to myself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then there's also that bit of you that you're also like, all right, well, don't show weakness. Well, that's what I'm saying. If you're doing ballet and you're in movies and you're a boy... These are some potential 
areas where people could ridicule you. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But so, you're also uh, big for your age. You're big for your age now. <laughs> <laughs> you are quite tall. How tall are you? I'm uh, like 6'2". When we hugged, it was comparable. I felt right. I felt like I was being held. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> Here's what I'm getting at. You ultimately left, I guess, what would be normal school and then went to an actual theater school for a minute, and that was not for you. So what I'm imagining is that even though you were dabbling in all these areas that are artistic and stuff, something tells me you also just liked being a normal boy who was playing sports on the team and that whole thing. Yeah, yeah, I think that was it. And the school I went to, Sylvia Young's Theater School, which is a brilliant school, and like they have the agency that like I joined through my sister when I was five that... like led to me being able to work and stuff. So they're, they're brilliant for that. And and also like they do fantastic drama classes and singing and dancing and all that sort of stuff. But in, when you go to the full-time school, it's like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you're doing mass and English and all that. And then Thursday, Friday, singing and dancing and that stuff. And I'm just not a very good singer or dancer. So I felt like a bit useless on that side. Uh-huh. You had one foot in like work mode and one foot in like, all right, just go like back to school and hang out and I don't know, you wanted yours more like compartmentalized, like for yeah, the six yeah. months I'm a kid. And it was also like just after About a Boy and it was also when at that age even you're aware that like people talk about like kid actors failing and all this sort of stuff and like how bad it's going to be and how tough it's going to be. So like suddenly having all your eggs in one basket at that point is like quite an intimidating thing. That was going to be one of my questions. Like at that age, are you aware of like this kind of archetypal arc of a can I use arc and arc? Archetypal sure. arc? That sounds redundant. Anyways, this kind of <laughs> well-worried about trajectory of child actors. Were you aware of all the pitfalls and the improbability that you would have a sustained career as an adult? I didn't know what like the archetypes were. I wasn't like, oh, this person had this happen and all that sort of stuff. But like interviewers or like people around, you just hear like murmurs of it and all that sort of stuff. So it's like clearly something that there's a good chance, apparently. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> and at that age, like, how out of 10, how obsessed with being an actor were you? Where has it peaked and where is it now? It was probably slightly lower because of the awareness of the potential of not doing it. You don't go like 10, this is everything, because it's like, then You're if it doesn't... You don't want to yeah, let yeah. yourself get too excited. Yeah, so then it's like, because then if it doesn't happen or it doesn't work out, then you'll be like, oh, damn, that was a 10. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so like, uh, yeah, maybe I'd put it around a 7. After About a Boy comes out, you're in a ginormous hit movie. At that point, are you like, oh, shit, this is probably the only time it's going to happen? Or are you able to just go like, this is awesome, and I'm not going to worry about whether it happens again? Or what were you thinking? No, there was more like, I was like, oh, is that the peak? <laughs> I mean, you couldn't have had too many evolved thoughts if you were 11. I clearly don't even have that many evolved thoughts now. So it's like, I doubt I was having that many then. Well, I know what happens on paper. You just continue to work, and then you get on this show that everyone loves in England. Skins, yeah. You're at your most awkward as a boy. You're like, what, 15 or 16 uh, or something? Yeah, 16, 17, we've been doing that, yeah. So that's a little scary, I guess. You know what? That didn't feel going in too scary because there was no expectations on that show. It was good writing and like a really fun, wonderful group. It kind of felt like high school or college years, whatever it is at that age. It was just really fun. And then when it was successful, it was kind of like, oh, yeah. that worked out well. Yeah, people really liked it. Surprise! Yeah, yeah. So there wasn't like whilst we were doing it, there wasn't like this has got a hit. Yeah, you're getting the eight o'clock slot on Thursday where we put our best shows, and it's going to be this. Yeah, it was. It was like the first time that E4, which is Channel Four, is like one of the bigger channels in England, and E4 was like their spin-off, more digital. When like you know, this is it seems so long ago now. Yeah, that more, and it was like the first show that they had commissioned for that channel. But like, 
I don't know what I'd equate it to now. I was just thinking in my head how much all of that's changed so much. Oh, yeah. Growing up, it was like we had channel one, two, three, four, five, and that was kind of it. And then yeah. they gradually got a couple more, and then it was like, all right, now you've got 20. And now I'm like, whoa. Yeah, now there's 16 streaming platforms, and you still have 140 channels. channels yeah. And then you spend your whole evening like going through. Seriously, it's like an hour of just scrolling, and then I'm like, I guess I'm tired. <laughs> and then I go to bed. Does that happen to you, too? Oh, all the time. Yeah. All the time. I scroll for a little bit. And then I'd be like, you scroll. <laughs> like, I've scrolled. Yeah. You hand it off. Like, it would do 50 50 scrolling. <laughs> and, then, and then be like, oh, well, there's clearly nothing out there. <laughs> we must have started nine things in the dunes. What have you started? I don't want to say them because ultimately I turned them all off. Oh. And then it became this thing where Aaron's like, you got to tighten up the duration before you exit these things. So then we found ourselves like, we had to make a verdict in two minutes. Like, if this show or doc didn't grab us in two minutes, on to the next. Wow. Totally lethal. And Right. Can you imagine? Like, what a shitty consumer I am. I felt yeah. guilty being in this business and doing that, but the stakes were high. We needed something. <laughs> we must have started seven documentaries. And I was just like, oh, no, don't care. Weren't feeling it. Yeah. Well. It's got to be real hooky in two minutes for a doctor. <laughs> it really does. To get you, right? It, it does. Okay. So then after that show, the next thing is you audition for Tom Ford. Yeah. And you get a role in a single man. When I look at all the things you've done, you're on this incredible trajectory. Like everything's just pretty high quality and with good people. And it's fortunate, but I think that's a big chunk of the puzzle. Is it not getting in that movie? Oh yeah, completely. And that was actually meant to be someone else in that film. I don't know. It was like two weeks before or something. And so I got a phone call from my agent being like, hey, can you go on tape for this thing tomorrow? And I was like, yeah, okay. Did it. And then got a phone call at like 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. the next morning being like, can you get on a plane to LA to go have dinner? Wow. With Tom Ford, who at that point I had no idea who Tom Ford was. I wasn't like particularly aware of fashion world or any of that stuff. There's like me at the fucking motorcycle track talking to you. I didn't know. <laughs> yeah. I was out to lunch. Definitely very different level. But I didn't know. Like we went to Sunset Town. I sat down and had dinner with him. And, and at that point, I'd also done that stupid thing where I looked him up on IMDb. And all it says on IMDb for him was like Zoolander himself. Oh. Yeah, you're and like, this like, guy. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Now he's like directing this film with Colin Firth and Julianne Moore. And I was like, this is, I was like, that's so good for him. What a leap. And so I literally asked that question. I was like, well, how did this end up happening? Oh, good. <laughs> and he was so nice. He was very humble about it. He kind of was like, you know, I was in fashion and all this sort of stuff. And I'm like, oh, interesting. <laughs> that sounds good. Fashion, eh? So it sounds like you've, you've cobbled could, together a living I'm from like, that? business been good? Um, <laughs> and then, and then, uh, and then I went back to the hotel and I was like, oh, let's Google off of IMDb. Uh -huh. Like the first images that pop up are like him on the front of Vanity Fair with the uh, Kieran Knightley and Scarlett Johansson stuff. I'm like, oh, it's interesting. He didn't, he didn't make it sound like it was that big of a deal. And then I guess his own brand launched like right after that film released. I think because we like wore his suits to the premiere in Venice and stuff. And it was like, oh, this is nice. Well, you guys even did like you were in a campaign, right? Yeah, yeah. I did a, an eyewear campaign. That again, all this stuff just happens last minute where I was like, we were doing a photo shoot for a magazine, I think. And then Tom was like, hey, I'm doing the eyewear campaign tomorrow. Do you want to do that? Yeah. And I was wow. like, no. Not before 10, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can do that. It was like all these bizarre things that just kind of happened last minute. And you're like, oh, that was nice. I feel like you have a great attitude about life, which is probably why you're rewarded over and over again. About just things happening. <laughs> you know, like it doesn't seem like you're too concerned about Every little anything. thing. Yeah, yeah. I guess that maybe that's just part of like so much been out of my control for so long yeah. in terms of the, like, I don't know, this business. This is what acceptance mode looks like. Yeah, this is what it is. Uh, sometimes it goes your way. Sometimes it doesn't. I'm not going to take it personal. 
that was probably ingrained by my mom because like there were times when you'd audition for things four or five times a week. There were definitely times where I was like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Like that's been a lot of rejection to take. I think that's what keeps other actors from wanting their kids to do it. But at the same time, I'm like, it's such a character builder. Would you let your kids go into it if they wanted to? Yeah, I don't want them to do it as children. I want them to have like a quote, real life as possible, I guess, so they can bring that shit ultimately. But like acting's a fucking great racket if you can get it. If you can make a living in it, like I've had all the other jobs. They're not as good as acting. You, it's, it's pretty amazing. It is. <laughs> like When I'm talking to other parents of actors who are so opposed to it, I'm like, what job have you had that you think's better, that you'd rather see your kid doing? Like if they go hang out with peers and shoot the shit for 90% of the day and then work for 5% of it, that's a good job. <laughs> the thing that I always think about it is that you get to basically just live a thousand lives and do a thousand things all in one. Like yes. the stories, the places you're traveling, the people you meet and the characters you're playing and like the stuff you learn to then try and play them and the skills that people give you to try and... So you suddenly just get this wealth of stuff coming at you. We'll take Mad Max Fury Road. Like you're in Namibia. Yeah. In a desert. For what, 12 years? How long did you guys make that movie? Fucking <laughs> <laughs> decades? Uh, yeah, we were there for, I mean, some people were there for a long, like, over a year, I think. I was there for like seven, eight months, I think. Okay, seven, eight months in the Namibian desert. Wow. That is a trip that like someone might plot out 30 years in advance. When they retire, they're going to go do this thing. They're, You know, like, I always think of it as like parachuting into things. Like... I got to do two USO tours where I went to Afghanistan. And I feel like I just kind of materialized and I was in a war. And I was like, this is really surreal. Even in that moment, were you like, I shouldn't be here? Or I should be? What were oh, you, no, what were I'm you like, thought? I belong here. Oh, yeah? <laughs> Arrogantly, I'm like, I'm, this, is a, this is my kind of thing. Yeah. But I've only at that point just watched war movies as everyone else has. And I've seen people flying in helicopters. And then I'm just, I'm in a flak jacket hanging outside of a helicopter flying around. And I'm like, I'm in this movie. How did I get here? That's the moment where something would happen where I'd be like, oh no, this is real. And I, I am not cut out or equipped for this. That happened to us on the first trip. We're having a great time. We're doing a live show. Base gets bombed, an RPG, then another RPG. Then everyone's got to run and get in these bunkers. And then we're all waiting for the bombing to end. And again, I was like, this movie is fucking, what a plot twist. Like here we are, in these <laughs> like we're getting the real experience. Like this is no joke. Yeah. And I'm grateful for it. As much as one can be grateful for bombs going off i'm of course don't want anyone to get injured to fuel my narcissistic fantasy of experiencing all things yet if no one gets hurt and i just got to experience i'm like i was i'd love it but movies are the same way you show up somewhere and they go like okay you're kayaking over this waterfall and you're like well i would have normally had to train 10 years for this and save money and here i am so I'm imagining being you and everyone else in this base being terrified and I'm just like, looking around being like, this is the best. Oh, that it did sound disrespectful to the troops that were over there that we were there you to know, entertain. We've had this discussion We before. have had it. We have. Mm -hmm. So again, or I was an enormous fan of yours. I saw that movie. I totally know your character. When I was researching you and I went back and watched, I was like, oh my God, he's one of the most memorable characters of the thing. I just didn't put any of it together. I think you've had this experience twice, if I recall, where... You're a part of something. There's this elaborate choreography, and you just got to trust that it all is going to make sense after the fact, because likely it doesn't make a ton of sense while you're doing it. I'm, th I'm trying to think of the other thing you did. Yeah, I was trying to think of it when you said that, and me I was too. like, you seem to I know my life better than me at the moment. <laughs> so I have to I was consult like, this piece of paper. I believe you. Weatherman. I told someone that was a good movie. Did, did, you did? <laughs> yeah, because I was chatting to someone. We were talking about Nicolas Cage, and I was like, oh, I played his son in something. I don't normally watch things back, but I did go back and watch that. So I was 14 when I did it, and I went back and watched it as an adult, and I was like, 
I like this film as an adult. Yeah. I mean, it's a good film. It's incredible. Um, it's written by Stephen Conrad. Did you get to meet Stephen? Yeah, 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 yeah. And spoken to him since. Did you watch The Patriot? Yeah, yeah, of course I've seen The Patriot. Uh, Is that not the greatest show other than The Great? Wait. The I, Patriot. The show The Patriot. The show The Patriot. I'm so, so, I'm so sorry. I was like, yeah, I've seen The Patriot. Like, I thought you were talking about the film. Well, appreciate your honesty, first of all, because that, that's hard should, to go back. I you should, said, I, like, I love I it. I committed to it. Yeah. I still love it. You're brave. I haven't seen I it. I would have gone love, with it. Well, I was starting to try and evaluate. <laughs> I do this sometimes in meetings when they're like, have you seen this film? And I'm like, no, I've never heard of it. Can't fake that one. And then if they say another one, I'm like, oh, I've got to start saying some of these things. 100%. So I'll be like, yeah, yeah, I've seen it. They'll mention a scene. I'll be like, mm-hmm, good. I Very loved good one. It. Yeah. <laughs> Memorable. Lovely cinematography. Beautiful film. And then, so I try and like gauge which ones I can say that I've seen. And if I've seen like the poster for it at least, or if I know who's in something, then I'm like, all right, this is going to be easier to fake. There's some ethics to it too. It's like you might be able to say you saw Godfather and you didn't, but probably right. Schindler's List. Don't, you can't fake it. Don't say you say yeah, that. Right. If you like I have seen it. <laughs> okay, but don't, don't quiz me about it right now. I've seen both. Seen both. <laughs> to um, my credit, I've seen <laughs> Stay tuned for more Armchair Expert, if you dare. We are supported by BetterHelp. It feels like a lot has happened this year. And it's barely even summer. We went to India for By George. We sure did. Lots to process already. Yeah, but even with so much going on, it's important to slow down. Take a minute to reflect on yourself and make adjustments. And if you need a little help with that, I can't recommend therapy enough. We are both in therapy. We are. We proselytize all the time. Talk about it every day. Couldn't function without it. If you want to give therapy a try, check out BetterHelp. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient and flexible. All you have to do to get started is fill out a brief questionnaire. Plus, you can switch therapists whenever for no additional charge. So take a moment for yourself. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Dax today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash Dax. Okay, when did paying someone back become social media? What do you mean? Well, let's just say I'm a weirdo and I want to be messy and see what you're up to, like who you're hanging with. I can just stalk your pay app and find out what you're doing. I knew you did that. <laughs> no, I did not do that. <laughs> I don't do that. I use Apple Cash. It's built into your iPhone, easy and secure. You can send and receive money right in messages and keep it between friends and then use that money any place Apple Pay is accepted. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Monica, please keep it in the chat. <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. We are supported by Uber Eats. Spring is here, and now you can get almost anything you need for your sunny days delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a well-groomed lawn delivered, but you can get chicken parmesan delivered. A cabana? That's a no. But a banana? That's a yes. A nice tan? Sorry, no. But a box fan? Happily, yes. A day of sunshine? No. A box of fine wines? Yes. Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol in select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. Okay, The Patriot. You're going to love this. It's the best show. It's a great show. Nothing to do with the and film. Nothing to do with the film. It's on Amazon Prime. Okay. You must watch it. It's the most There's two seasons. It's a perfect, perfect show. Oh, brilliant. Okay, yes. I'll check it out. Because I do love his writing. I think his writing's brilliant. And then he had another show right after that called Perpetual Grace. Okay. Ben Kingsley is the lead. 
But I have worked with Sabine Kinsley. Oh, you have? We did this film called Collide in Germany like eight years ago. I don't know, my timelines are all messed up. But I remember having a really nice discussion with him. We were chatting in between scenes and he just kind of broke down, like just said how much he loved acting still, which to hear from Sir Ben at that point, like you could tell he was having fun being someone else in the scenes. And it was like being outrageous and being ridiculous and like all that. And you kind of just get to be all these different versions of your personality. Well, you're, yeah, your role in the greats very much wish fulfillment in some dark (laughs) recess of all of us men. Like the idea that I could just be the ruler of this country, do absolutely nothing but fuck and get drunk and shoot people when I'm bored. I mean, it's it's like the id's dream. (laughs) Base. Yeah. Back to Glory Road. Because I'm, I'm sorry. um, Fury Road. Fury Road. Glory Road. Back to Glory Hole. Which, um, (laughs) you've been in so many porn. I've been in so many porn. Back to your film, The Glory Hole. No, uh, Fury Road. It was the favorite. The favorite you also had to do a bunch of choreography. Like oh. you were explaining, which I thought was really cool, is that the director of that would have you just start like, grab her, now do this, now you're laughing. Yeah, really interesting. And it was I would actually say that Fury Road and The Favourite were those two directors, George and Yorgos, were the t- two most similar audition processes and like kind of building in terms of how they get performances out of you as an actor. It was interesting to see how they both compare. Because like George's thing, like we did like this four or five hour audition for that where it was like for maybe the last half hour we were doing scenes, but the rest of it was like observation games and like word association and blah, blah, blah and all this sort of stuff. And Yorgos did similar stuff where like in the audition he was like, right now there's an imaginary beam and you have to hum every time the other person's talking and now salsa dance when they talk, but don't let it affect how you perform and stuff like that. And that was all the rehearsal stuff as well, which is really fun. Oh, wow. That's so cool. And it's just weird, isn't it? Because you're like, I don't know how much of a fool I'm making out of myself. I haven't had any theater training either, but between talking to Monica and my wife, who both majored in that, and then having done Groundlings, it seems like half the process is just embarrassing the fuck out of yourself in front of all these people. And then you go, oh, yeah, I can live through that. But feeling safe while doing it. Yeah. This would happen in the Groundlings. You're a lion. You're a chicken. You're a gazoo. You know, everyone walk around oh, this yeah. room is, and you're just like, oh, my no, God. I this took is- a clown class. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, that's an actual class that I took. And you wear the nose and you clown. Oh what was God. your, like, clown skill? You corrected the other clowns? No, you didn't talk. <laughs> The clowns don't talk, uh, but they do have their own very specific thing like we had to come up with. And I don't remember what mine was because I have a bad memory now, but I do remember being really good at clowning. Okay, so you, of, you were a standout, but you can't remember how That's you right. were a standout. That's right. I remember once being put into a singing competition dressed as a clown. So maybe there's some weird thing where if you just get embarrassed enough in life, it's like you just kind of live to a point where you're like, eh. Particularly in that environment, which you say, like, as you say, is like a safe, fine place to be embarrassed. Like in life, if I get embarrassed, I'm like, oh, this is horrible. Like, I'll start to cry. Me too. Yeah. That's my instinct. My balls start welling up. I'm like, I'm like, oh, bright red. I'm like, get me out of here. The saddest thing I've seen in the last 10 years was Monica walked into a glass door. <laughs> no, it was Yeah, right? Was it glass? No, it wasn't glass. That's even worse. Okay. And we weren't very close yet. So she collided with this door. And I thought, well, the move is everyone laughs, no big whoop. That wasn't the move. And then Monica left. You I, had had to, to cry. I was leaving. Yeah. But then I was crying. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, did you start the laugh? I believe you, so. Yeah, I thought I was trying. Like, this yeah, is funny. Yes, I think oh, that was my move. Which is what I do when I'm embarrassed is I just kind of start laughing yeah. uncontrollably. Yeah. Is there a lane of things that embarrass you more than others? Like Monica's is walking into shit primarily is the big. I guess physical, yeah. Like aptitude ha- physically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've never categorized it before. The one that's popping up in my brain is a friend of mine who's, <laughs> who's now really famous and successful, but he used to love saying my name really loudly on the tube. And the more that he would see me just like go into my shower, the more he'd get 
enjoyment Excited. out of doing, yeah. Attention. Does that count as a category? It, yeah. it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Most of my friends in the, the first 10 years I was working were all comedians. And that is the game. It's like you're in the back of the liquor store. They're at the counter and you go like... Will Arnett from Arrested Development, do you want to oh die Coke? God. I'm in the cooler. Like, just try to fucking humiliate the person. And that's like a bit. Yeah. Yeah, and it's fun for everyone but the person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to start trying to flip it back on people more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, it's real fun to, hear- to do. It's not the fun to be the recipient of. Yeah. But You'll hear me over, like, the loudspeaker next time you're on the track. <laughs> Can we get employee of the month, Dax Shepard? <laughs> back to Mad Max Fury Road. So... Do you have the type of disposition that with The Favorite or Mad Max where it's like, you're not sure what this plan is, but fuck it. I trust this guy, George Miller, and I can just table the fact that I don't know what's going on. Yeah, I'm pretty trusting in that. I'm like, mm, they're pros. Yeah. <laughs> There's yeah, a reason yeah. that they've made great movies and they can, you have not made any great movies. You don't know what you're doing. So like, if they ask you to do something, try it and commit to it. But can I say something? Because I think you're a great actor and I think what's stood in my way quite often is, is that exact thing. It's like, if, if I can't wrap my head around the thing they're asking me to do, I'm liable to not do it, I hate to admit. There's definitely been times, by the way, when people have been like, hey, and you're like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, this doesn't feel sure. right. Sure. <laughs> but then that's probably speaking of bigger things about the whole story or character or whatever it is that you're doing as opposed to like that exact moment. Then there's probably questions about how you both see it, I guess. But it sounds like someone like George Miller could take you and could help you build something that becomes spectacular because you're open to it. Potentially, yeah. I see that as so, courage. No control issues is yeah, what I'm really, gathering. Yeah, I don't mind just being like, yeah, go on. Maybe that'll blow up. Maybe it's already blown up. So far, so good. Mad Max is like my Bible. Not Mad Max, Road Warrior. Road Warrior, I saw that when I was like eight years old. And I love cars and motorcycles. So that movie is everything. So, A, did you like those movies growing up? Had you seen Road Uh, Warrior? I had not seen them. Okay. I think they were were again slightly before. Well, yeah, you're two years younger than Monica. Oh, no. Yes, bad news, Monica. This is a trend. She was always the youngest. Like the first three years we did this, she was always the youngest person here. And lately it's starting. Honestly, I know the feeling because I used to always be the youngest person on set. And now it's got to the point where there's like people being my kids. I think our business more than any other will point out to you how old you are in this very peculiar way. I had a great conversation with this actress I was working on a show with. The script came out and basically they were starting her storyline that she had Alzheimer's. And I said to her, isn't this business weird? It's like, I never felt like I was old enough to play someone with kids, but then I just found myself on a TV show where I had a son. And I'm like, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Everyone else agreed this makes sense. I must be that age. Like I've seen this fuck with some older actors. I was like, Zeke on Parenthood. Like Craig T. Nelson, he found out, you know, he's going to die this season. He's like, you know, this is a weird fucking thing to know that this is plausible and reasonable that your character would die because you're that age. And there's also in this industry, there's like, there is a little bit of that Robin Hood sort of thing where it can keep you pretty young mentally and stimulated yes. and like you're always bouncing around. And I think also time travels at a different pace because it's like, I'm shooting this for three months, four months here and then blah, blah, blah. And then suddenly it's like, oh. Five years went by. Yeah, I, t- I certainly feel that where I'm like, I'm 31 now and I'm suddenly like, oh. You're right, because it's compartmentalized. They almost all feel like summer breaks. Like, oh, summer break's here. I'm doing this for three months. Like, that that increment, for some reason, feels right. At your age, uh, 32, I was like, okay, it is time to have children. But you're ahead of that schedule. You have a two-year-old? Three-year-old now. Three-year-old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boy or a girl? Boy. 
Oh, how fun. Yeah, it's really fun. Have you got a bicycle already picked out for him? He's got a little bicycle. The stabilizers have come off a little bit, okay. as long as I'm like running alongside, yeah. which is a different level of like fitness, I've realized, like dad fitness, because it's like you're hunched over holding, running as fast as you can. <laughs> I don't know what that does to your hamstrings. Maybe you can ask your mate who's like the trainer for... <laughs> <laughs> Duffy. But yeah, ask Duffy and be like, what, what is that? Because after doing that for like five minutes, I'm walking home and I'm like limping. I don't know what's going on there. Oh, um, my thing was just bending over and taking the baby out of the cradle I threw my back out like five times in the first year Lincoln was born oh I was God. like this baby's eight pounds it's not like I can't what? lift eight pounds but it's just where the cradle is maybe the, that's where the dad bod comes from from having to hold from like them? very specific <laughs> movements like picking a baby up out of a crib bicycle there yeah, probably is a little bit I noticed that like you kind of do that like hip hold a little bit and holding for a long time sometimes walking a long way like sticking your hip out holding on to this weight I don't know <laughs> Yeah, totally out of balance. Yeah, and like your spinal, like, yeah. uh, it's really not something that's great. Well, the other thing I noticed is like I use always carried her like a football on my forearm. And I was like, oh, this is great for the biceps. Like I always felt like I had a little mild pump on. That's what the dad bod is. It's like the it's arms are strong. And the body's But then there's a, some, a, a little bit of a gut. Yeah, yeah, but like, yeah. yeah, and a little hunch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, think we cry. I think we figured something out today. Oh, my gosh. Science. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Love it. Okay, I'm going to move on from Glory Hole. But you're in the desert and you're in these crazy cars and they're all running around you. Yeah. And if ever there was a moment you could actually buy into the scenario you're in, I got to imagine that's the one because it's just the oh, yeah. scope of it was so fucking big. Oh, it's mad. There'd be like, I don't know, 100 vehicles, bikes, and like those huge V12s and W12s and all these like massive monster trucks around you. You'd be sitting there and the, the stunt team were incredible. They'd give like everyone the signal to like start up. And also, the amazing thing about that was Hugh Keys Burn who played the Immortan Joe, who played the toe cutter back in the original Mad Maxes, who sadly passed away a couple of years ago. He had this amazing thing with all the war boys where he would put images of his face up around the stunt gym and he would make everyone recite like nursery rhymes. And it was kind of this cult-like thing where he was our leader. And then you'd see the whole stunt team and all the cast and everyone who was playing these war boys and start to like work themselves into a frenzy on these vehicles and the drums and the engines and like all the... So it would literally be there and you're like the hairs on your arms would stand up. You know what it makes me think of is like if you could find yourself in the hawker. Do you know the haka? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like I always watch the All Blacks do the haka and I'm like, I have a sense of how they feel during that and I want a taste of it. I, is it pronounced haka? What do you say it as? The, the haka? The, yeah, I always thought the haka. That's an English-American thing, I think. That's why I was like slightly glazed when you first said it. because I you was probably like, thought I was being disrespectful to indigenous Maori <laughs> I was people. Like, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, now I'm like, now I'm saying it wrong, so I'm not sure. <laughs> do you know what they're saying? No, but I watch it before rugby matches is when I've seen it. And I can't imagine it's great. I feel like it's probably... It's most of it's like, our dicks are bigger than yours. It's all yeah. about their dicks. Right, right, right. Okay. Which I love. <laughs> so primal. <laughs> <laughs> I love dicks so much. I need you to know, Nicholas, before we go ride motorcycles, I fucking just can't get enough of them. Only <laughs> half of a joke. Well, I do enjoy watching penises in movies. I think it's hilarious. Every time I see a penis in a movie, I think it's so funny. It's been used comedically a lot over the last decade, and it always works for me. I'm trying to think of the funniest dick moments. Have you seen Righteous Gemstones? No. I was about to be like, can I lie? (laughs) Can I say yes? You must watch it. Well, also The Patriot, ding, 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 has an... Oh, the best of all time. 
incredible. Ding dong. It's, it's, that's right. Yes, yes. That's right. It's in um, season two. There's no way you won't know when you get to this scene. Okay. I think penises are so stupid looking. It's poorly placed as an appendage. Like if you see a man walking naked, it's bouncing. It looks ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like when you see boobs <laughs> moving, it looks beautiful and, and elegant and it's sexy. And then when you see a man walking naked, it's just like. <laughs> yeah, where else could we locate it? That would be a- Anywhere would be better, like right on the stomach. There's no movement there. There's a lot of places. Isn't one of them on one animal on their back? The balls of an elephant are on its back. Okay. Anna Hyrax has balls. The balls of an elephant? Yes. Their testicles are on their back because of the heat. They had to relocate them up there because the savanna is so hot coming up that they can't regulate the sperm temp. When it's but they're inside them. their body, right? I haven't just missed the bull sack. They're not exposed. Right. They're internal. <laughs> they're like ovaries. And then its closest relative is the hyrax, this little tiny mouse that lives out there. And its balls are in its back as well. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Aww. Another weird pairing. You know, the hyena's closest relative is a giraffe. No. Nah. Really? Isn't that insane? I can kind of see it a little bit. Long necks. I mean, I wouldn't have guessed it if it was a quiz until now. Me Hopefully either. that comes up on a pub quiz. <laughs> it will. That's how we end each of these interviews is we do a lightning <laughs> round of pop quiz at the end of what you picked up from okay, the interview. perfect. Okay, the other one I wanted to talk about was Warm Bodies. Not because I want to talk about the movie, just because... I'm on top gear with Rob Cordry. That's who I do the show yeah, yeah, with. Yeah, I love Rob. Yes, I He's watched hilarious. some little thing with you talking about having so much fun as zombies. They were both zombies oh, and they would improv so with noises. Yeah, oh, it was an, honestly a nightmare though because Rob's <laughs> like an improv genius and hilarious. And even with just being able to grunt at each other, obviously you're not allowed to show anything being <laughs> a zombie. And he'd be grunting and doing his fucking funny stuff and I'd be there and just like, Shaking with laughter, trying to contain her. <laughs> Give him my love. I haven't spoken to him in a while. I saw him outside a studio here maybe a year ago. I texted him today saying, tell me something about Nicholas. Do I want to know? Great guy. You'll like him a lot. Perfect guest because he's smart, funny, and introspective and easy on the eyes. Tell him I said that. <laughs> he was dating Jennifer Lawrence while we were shooting, and she was on location the whole time. I'm not sure which one of them mandated that. He saved me one time. This was when Silver Linings was being shot, I think. It was like a Friday night and I'd gone out with people from the crew and I got so drunk and I was meant to pick her up from the airport. I woke up and I looked at my phone and you know when you haven't plugged your phone and it's just dead and you're like, you'd set an alarm but your phone's not there and then I turned it on and there were voicemails being like, hey, landed. And then the next one being like, where are you? And the next one being like, you're dead. Next one's I hate your fucking and, like, and then we anyway we got to set later on. I'm so hungover, it's a mess. Like we come like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Oh god. And Rob goes, I'm so sorry, I forgot to get you from the airport. <laughs> and I was like, Whew, safe. Thank you. <laughs> that was one of my oh, my, my clearest memories from that. Yeah. So when you first got here, we were talking about Bradley Cooper. And you told me this really funny story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he was the guest just before us. And I was like, yeah, it all goes downhill. But I do have kind of a funny. It's not completely related to Bradley Cooper, this story. But it was when I was dating Jen and we'd gone on holiday. Like a great day. We'd gone spearfishing, caught these fish. And then like the people we'd gone with, like cooked them up. And then I was like, I was eating mine. And I was like, mm, yum. <laughs> and then, and then <laughs> she's like, I don't like mine. Can you eat mine? And I'm like, well, I don't want us to, to appear to be rude. So oh I, my God. So I like doubled down. I was like, ate all that as well. Like, and then proceeded for the like, next three days to just have the worst food poisoning. Anyway, it relates back to Bradley because that was around the time that they were about to do Silver Linings together. And so on the way to this holiday, I remember like walking through the airport. He'd just been voted People Magazine's Sexiest Man of the Year. He was like, his face was on the cover. And already you're like, oh, because uh, yeah, they're cool. about to do a movie together. He's the sexiest man alive. <laughs> Bodes well. Um, Super comforting. Whilst I had like proceeded to be literally on the toilet, losing my soul, (laughs) 
whilst, whilst this was happening, they had their first like prep chat. And literally, how you two are giggling now, it was like that funny. Their conversation, and at one point I hear like the sliding door open of the hotel and then like oh more God. laughter and then, co- and then muffled laughter. <laughs> it was honestly one of the lowest points in my life. All I could see was his face from the front of that magazine and hear her laughter from their work talk. And um, Well, you considered whether or not you were going to die on this toilet. She would come in occasionally and be like, are you okay? I was like, I don't know. She's like, I'm going to ask Bradley if he has any tips on this. <laughs> I'm going to call Bradley. I know he'll know. He's been through everything and lived. Oh, my God, that's so funny. Okay, now let's talk about The Great. Other than The Patriot, that's the show I tell the most amount of people that they need to watch. I fucking love it. I do want to say this. The show takes two, I'd say two and a half episodes to get the tone, which is a great compliment to the show because the tone is very, very original. And the first two and a half episodes, you're kind of like, am I allowed to laugh at this? It, which is the same thing as The Patriot, the show I want you right. to watch. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You're like, fuck, that was kind of brutal. Can I laugh at that? But once you know that you can, it's just like this incredible ride. I can't imagine they could have predicted that you would be so likable in that role because you're a fucking piece of shit. And yet you're so fucking likable. It's crazy. And then I found myself about episode eight last season going like, well, this thing broke itself because I want them to be together, <laughs> which cannot be the intention, yet has added this level that is so stimulating. Yeah. But I mean, that was Tony's intention. It was. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That where you kind of suddenly you're like, oh, they're kind of great for each other. I mean, it all does come back to his right and he's a genius. Because he wrote The Favourite as well. Yeah, yeah. That's where we met. And then once we did that, he was like, oh, I've got, at that point, it was a, a screenplay for The Great. As a feature or as, as a, a feature at that point. And I read it and I was like, the Peter role and that was brilliant. And I was like, I'll do whatever. And he was like, I'm going to turn it into a show with Elle. And I'd done a film with Elle, the one that I originally learned to ride bikes for that I was telling you about earlier in South Africa. That was with Elle. Oh, okay. I played like her terrible husband in that as well. Oh, but, wow. But, um, That's quite a pattern you guys are Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's all we do together. So I like, loved her and thought she was going to be brilliant in it. And was like, this is going to be great. And I just had the best time on The Favourite and with his dialogue. And it's very rare that you get like that much freedom within something that's very meticulous we say exactly what's scripted but it still feels so freeing and fun where anything can happen in any moment that character wise it feels like you can go really big and outrageous and it still kind of hold it and work he has this great way of putting in these moments where you're like oh if we hit this then suddenly this character that everyone potentially hated and whatever else suddenly goes oh he had this terrible mom and dad and this and that and you kind of start to go okay maybe i feel a little bit sorry for him yep at some point you go like well you know this guy is ultimately a victim of his childhood like what else would you expect to get when you raise someone thinking they're chosen by god to lead everyone and they're just perfect i never had anyone say no their whole life but some of your deliveries are just they're so unique and novel and interesting you know once you've done this for 20 years like you have and you watch things with this different thing and you actually can see the scene they're performing written you're just like okay i know what the sides of this scene look like and i know what i'm watching and generally like the bigger that departure is the more fun it is if you know how the sausage is made so it's like i'm watching some of these scenes and i'm thinking about what your lines look like on paper and i'm thinking well i wouldn't have thought of this really creative way to do it that thing of like imagining the sides i've just gotten into this thing of like there's a there's an instagram page that has this thing where you can watch the scene and it scrolls the script underneath it so i think the same i've kind of got a little bit obsessed with watching scenes 
and seeing the pages because then I'm like, oh, wow. Because there's scenes where you look at it and if you were reading it, you wouldn't be like, this is going to be great. But then you're watching it as it goes and you go, wow, that's actually incredible. Let me first say what The Great is about in case someone hasn't seen it that's listening. It's about Catherine the Great. So it's like mildly historical. It's a complete departure. I think even the title card says like- Occasionally true. Occasionally true, which I love. I've been to her palace. Oh, have you? Yeah. When I was like 23, I went with my mom on a cruise that went to fucking St. Petersburg and we went to Catherine's palace. It was a little sad. They didn't have the budget to kind of maintain it. So it was just a spectacular thing that was kind of eroding in front of your eyes. So anyways, it's about Catherine the Great. And basically at the beginning, she is married to Peter the Third, which you play. And- in Russia in 1915 or somewhere? No, it's uh, late 18th century. I'm not even too sure. Okay, great. It's before <laughs> any of the world wars. I'll say all the numbers and you can edit me yeah, in saying. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's in 1881. And you're just a monster. And she has these great wishes for Russia. And then it's just hysterical. But there's a scene in it that I would put up there in my top 10 scenes I've ever seen where the audacity of the scene and the fact that it was executed. And I want to know what your thoughts were when you read the script and you realized that's what we were going to have to film at some point. There is a moment where you have been poisoned and you are fucking. <laughs> and at the moment you orgasm, you also throw up blood and shit your pants. And I was like, I can't believe I'm watching this and it's been pulled off. It was executed. Like it doesn't bump for you. You're not like, what am I watching? You're like, Oh my God, that was spectacular. (laughs) So when you read that and you knew like, oh, I got to do that on Wednesday, what were your thoughts? I think I was honestly thrilled. Sometimes when you're doing a scene, you're like, oh, this scene's kind of been done. So like, where am I going to try and find the space to like- Do something special. Make it worthwhile. And so, yeah, ejaculating, defecating and throwing up (laughs) all at the same time was certainly one where I was like, oh, I've never even imagined this was possible. It's incredible. And I think that's part of the genius of his writings where he kind of has these audacious moments and ideas. And it's kind of like almost sometimes like, can I get away with that and still keep it serious enough and like dramatic and emotional enough within that? Well, if I had to say he was a genius at one specific thing, it's balance. Like somehow that show hits everything you want it to hit. You're like, you're rooting for love. You're laughing hysterically. You're mortified at some things. Like, and it all just is balanced out in this way that becomes its own little genre somehow. And and all of it works. Yeah. Where do you guys shoot that? Uh, We shoot mostly at at Three Mills, East London, in the studios. Yeah, it's all sets. So it's like... Really? Yeah, which is pretty incredible. They're beautiful sets. And everyone who works in it's like creatively just wonderful. And every single cast member as well. Particularly the second season when you watch Elle, the stuff she's doing. I was having a really fun time through the second season watching her because her character just becomes more ruthless. And watching her do that, watching how the characters shifted from the first season was just really fun and peter suddenly feeling like the victim she bullies him a little bit and is nasty to him and it's like (laughs) and he's genuinely hurt but is also conflicted about that because he's like more in love with her than ever the more horrible she is the more he sees her as being like perfect for him because he's like this is brilliant i haven't watched the first two episodes because i was in the sand dunes for five days and i almost put it on out there charlie hadn't seen it I was so pissed at our best friend the whole trip because all I wanted to do was watch it at night, but I didn't want him to start on the second yeah. season, so we made a sacrifice for him. We've been home one day, and he texted me last night, on episode five of The Great, you were so fucking right. I can't hey, believe this good. show. So oh, good. And yeah. every, I mean, everyone who's watched the second so far says it's better than the first. Well, I watched the trailer this morning because I didn't want to be completely out in the dark. But yeah, it all flips. She's Catherine the Great somehow. Has it made you want to go to Catherine's Palace or any of that stuff? 
So I played a few real people over time. And normally I'm like reading books and like trying to learn as much as I can about it. But going into the favorite, that was one of those things that like we were playing real characters, but it was like, it was really not encouraged, almost discouraged to like to do that. Oh, interesting. Because I think of that specific weird tone thing. And so there was like this idea that we wouldn't particularly like research and not and and so i feel terrible now because occasionally we'll be doing interviews for this and early like earlier when you're like when is it set and i'm like i know i looked that up at some point yeah but it's like history from three four years ago i probably looked at that when we we're doing the pilot now who was it that told you that they like to play the ghost of the person that was uh michael shannon okay so we've both worked with michael shannon brilliant isn't it unreal i worked with him a couple of times and the first time i was like i can't tell if this guy hates me or loves me he's scary he's like, a scary he's individual truly scary yeah but i love him i did a comedy with him but he was dead serious he was like a nazi in a prison i was in and he was just terrifying and i always felt kind of bad for him because it was will arnett dave keckner and myself and we're just hooting and hollering the whole time and he is doing some sh- major lifting for us and like brilliant and in it when he's there it's oh, like it's work terrifying but also like that was the same film that i did with l and we all lived together in this because we we're in the middle of nowhere in springbok in south africa and we'd sit out on like our little veranda having drinks in the evening me and him which was like some of my favorite memories just sitting with him and hearing his perspective on things but what's the shadow thing? Michael Shannon told him that when he does people who are historical figures, instead of doing an impersonation of them, to play the ghost of them. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, because we did a film where he played uh, George Westinghouse and I played Nikola Tesla. And he and, and oh. I remember hearing him say that. And that kind of clicked something for me a little bit. There's a weird thing when you're playing a real person where you do start to revere and love them so much that it becomes difficult to play them in a way because you're like oh man i just care for this person so much and trying to do their life because you normally you know they've done some pretty incredible things if you're making a film about them so then you're like how do i honor them and that's maybe not the right way to be (laughs) yeah it's a rose-colored glasses kind of view yeah did you have reservations about committing to a show since you've been like living in movie world so much i definitely had before that but just doing the favorite and knowing tony and his writing i didn't then because I had so much fun on The Favourite, I was like, I know I'm going to have so much fun with this character. Yeah. Because yeah. I think that's the thing sometimes with shows for me. I've been like edgy about doing them for a little while because depending on the length of the show, sometimes it'd be like, yeah, five years of doing something for eight months. It's like, you've got to really, really love it to live it Yeah. Okay, so it just all occurred to me what may be the connective tissue between you and Ferrari. So is Fassbender in those X-Men movies? Yes, yes, yes. Did he get you into this Ferrari thing? Exactly, yeah, because he raced the Challenge Series with them. He did well, right? I heard he did pretty well. He did do well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Although the person doing my telemetry yesterday said I was doing better than him at the point. I haven't texted him about that yet. (laughs) Hope you're listening. (laughs) I'm sure he is. I guarantee. No, he's genuinely very fast and skilled and determined and like he's focused. Have you been watching any of his poor stuff? No. It's on uh, YouTube, like 10 minute episodes of him, his racing. It's worth checking out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, what's it called? Fastbender Porsche. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. Such, such that, I guess. You're not a details up. guy. I'm learning that about you, which is, is fine. You're a broad strokes guy. I'm broad stroke. Oh, broad no. Stroke. I'm going to start saying that to the directors. <laughs> and they're like, can you do this? And I'm going to be like, yeah. I can't really. I'm broad I'm stroke. broad stroke, to be honest with you. <laughs> I wonder if you'll find this liberating. I was one time reading, poor listeners of this show know this inside and out, but my favorite interview I've ever read of my life was Owen Wilson in Playboy. And there was a point where they said, like, a lot of actors have gone into being producers and directors. Like, how much control do you like to have over projects and, like, over the script? And he said, I generally like to read the script once before I say yes. But then once I get there, I just kind of forget everything. And I like to show up on set like I'm a kindergartner and have them explain everything to me. To hear someone I admire 
own that that's their process without any shame yeah, yeah, yeah. i was like this is awesome because that works for him incredibly well yeah there is this element sometimes when you hear people talk about acting where it's like oh do we all have to pretend we're doing that to be taken seriously and particularly when you get into like round table sort of things and all that sort of stuff and everyone's like so serious I adopted a Russian refugee to prepare for this role. Can you imagine if I was like, <laughs> for like living as the emperor of Russia for nine months? It would be a nightmare. Well, Nicholas, this is fantastic. I'm going to give you my number before we leave. And I hope that we end up at the track again. I'd love that. Thank you for having me. I'm so sorry. Last question. You drove a fucking rickshaw across India? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to do this. We did adventure trips a couple of years in a row, me and some friends, where we did one where you start, yeah, right in the south of India and then go right up to the north. It was set up by this place called The Adventurists. They give you the rickshaw at the beginning and then there's like, I don't know, 20, 30 teams. It's like a three-wheeled little vehicle, uh-huh, you know, like those little cabs uh-huh. in India. Okay, And yeah, it's kind of a race, but not really a race. You have like 13 days or whatever to wow. get to the north. So you're like, you're driving a fair bit each day, but then you just kind of end up wherever you do and it breaks and you're in all these tiny towns somewhere being like, what's wrong with this? And then the next one we did was uh, across Morocco on miniature motorbikes. No. ETCC wow. miniature motorbikes. This again. should be a show. Why um, aren't you and I doing this on television? We can tell you exactly. that. That's kind of what Top Gear does a little bit. Yes, no? it does. That's exactly Exactly it. Let's do but you both. Know, you know when like Bear Grylls does that show where he like gets like the person to go and <laughs> that was well described, broad stroke. He gets the person to go. <laughs> um, but why don't you do that? But like fun, it's fun that show. But like, <laughs> that sounds terrible. Like, Without suffering. More ridiculous challenges. Not like, hey, we're going to really live in a glacier. Be like, hey, we're going to take this thing across the Sahara. Uh, we might be able to get Daniel Ricardo in this show as oh, well. Oh, wow. Okay, such a blast. And again, I'm so jealous of the rickshaw run, and I want to do it. If you ever do it again. I haven't done one for a few years since it becoming a dad. It's kind of like finding time to do that sort of stuff and whatever. See, this is great, too, because we both have dad schedules. So it's got to be like, you know, we got to plan it like three years out, drop the idea to our girls, like, hey... Wouldn't it be cool if I raised money in India driving a rickshaw? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's always a good thing because we do it raising money for charities. So it's like we get people to donate and then basically yeah, send out blanket emails. I could count on the arm cherries for at least a dollar donation for this rickshaw run. And that could be a couple million dollars. Job done. I'll see you in India. Stop. <laughs> All right. So much fun. Thank you. Stay tuned for more Armchair Expert, if you dare. We are supported by New Balance. Whether you're going for your first ever jog around the park, getting ready for a marathon, or even picking up the pace on the last stretch before you get home, if you run, you're a runner. Whether you need shoes for comfort, stability, or race day speed, they've got you covered. Because the only right way to run is your way. New Balance. Run your way. Visit newbalance.com running to learn more. We are supported by Viator. Now, Monica, I'm going to Lisbon. uh, So exciting. And I'm going to use Viator because, you know, I can book a tuk-tuk tour of the city on Viator. Yeah, I feel like you can look up even other fun things you guys can do together. Yeah, absolutely. That is where you go to find an experience while you're traveling. Because no matter where you're traveling or what you're interested in, Viator can help you plan better travel experiences. With over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, means you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Enjoy real travel reviews to get inside information from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. Plus, Viator offers 24-7 customer service so you know you'll get the support at any hour if things aren't going as planned. 
Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking. Find travel experiences for you and do more with Viator. We are supported by Celebrity Cruises. I know what you think. As long as you're on vacation, you're happy. But the truth is, some vacations are better than others. And there's one that's better than all of them. Celebrity Cruises. With rooms, food, and service like theirs, you'll never want a vacation any other way. And you won't have to with all the places Celebrity goes. They even have weekend Caribbean escapes if you're short on time. So visit Celebrity.com, contact your travel advisor, or call 1-800-CELEBRITY and see why nothing comes close to Celebrity Cruises. Ships Registry, Malta, and Ecuador. And now my favorite part of the show, the fact check with my soulmate, Monica Padman, Nicholas Holt. Again, I just have to reiterate, I know I did it in the intro, but I oh, love season two of The Great. Oh my God. You loved it. Also, happy anniversary. Oh my gosh. February 14th. Four years. Four years. Four years. And Valentine's Day. And Valentine's Day. My God. Also the anniversary of Hello Bello. Mm. February 14th has become a big, big moment for me. It's also the anniversary of Monica and Jess. Oh my God. <laughs> a lot of things. Has anything not been started in our <laughs> lives on Valentine's Day? I know. Yeah, but it's been for four whole years. Do you know the origin of saint valentine do you know why there's cupid i think and there's love? a massacre there was a massacre well there's the saint valentine's massacre yeah. but that, i think that was the the english and the ira maybe no sunday bloody sunday am i is that on saint valentine's day anyways i'm starting too many conversations but yes i think valentine's day predates the valentine's day massacre okay yeah yeah um cupid is a tiny baby in a diaper with wings with little baby wings. and he's a man but he's a baby He's a man baby. The first man child. Shoots love darts everywhere. I wonder why they were like, well, it's got to be a baby and it's got to be a man. It's got to be a man's, an older man's face, as I recall. Well, Does he or, have male pattern baldness? I even The image in my head. Um, Depends. Like this, he's a, just a baby he's in this baby, one head picture. To toe. Yeah. Okay. See there, like, but his hair looks like David's in the uh, famous sculpture, like that's a man's head of hair right there. It's a thick head of hair. The thickest. But a baby body. Yeah, definitely. Baby. That's <laughs> that's that's beyond. So happy Valentine's happy Day. Happy Valentine's Day. May all Day. of you get shot with the love arrow by the baby man. I hope so. I really hope so. Do you think he has a man's penis in that diaper or a baby's penis? I can't. I can't. <laughs> I guess you'd probably see a bulge if. I think it's a baby penis. Yeah. Or maybe he doesn't have a penis. Maybe he's. Like a um, eunuch, yeah. Okay. What's the diaper for then? Well, he has an anus. We, yeah, wow. we still yeah. don't. It's still a private area. Yeah, you, you can't live without an anus. You could live without privates. Well, and there's a pee pee hole. Yeah, there's a little urethra slot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Worst case scenario. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a ding 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 because Nicholas is so attractive. Oh right, and he's yeah. got boyish good looks, like a baby, but he's a man. He's actually a reverse oh my Cupid. God. He has a baby's face in a big man's body. <laughs> well, this might be fun for people too. I'm going to update people. It seems like people enjoy when we get along with guests and then we develop some kind of real life friendship with them. So I will say, since this interview, yeah. Nicholas and I text quite a bit. Uh-huh. And I have advised him on what kind of motorcycle to get his Ooh. child to learn to ride. Because oh, wow. 
you know, there's, uh, in fact, I'll say it on here. I'll give them a shout out. Uh, Stay Psych is the best one because it has a variable speed. Uh, first of all, the throttle is variable, so you can put on a little bit or a lot. Most of these are on or off. Okay. Okay. So this one is a gradual throttle, and you as the parent can set it to be low power, medium power, or full power. Mm. So as they get better, you can boom, boom. You can increase their speed. Anyways, there's that, and then I'm going to the motorcycle track this Friday, uh-huh. and um, I invited him. Oh, fun. Yeah. He's out of town, but he said, please, next time. So I do think uh, a track day is in our future. A budding friendship has developed? Yeah. It's going to be a humbling friendship for me. Okay. Because if we're out and people look at us, they'll be looking at him because he's better looking than me and he is more successful as an actor and his physique is so sturdy. So it'll be a humbling experience, this friendship, which will be great. I, I, I think you both bring so much to the table. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, shit, I should answer it just because because it's sometimes fun. Hi, Sharon hi, Weekly. Hi, buddy. Are you recording? I am. Hi. You want to say hi to Monty and Wobby Wob? Of course I do. Happy Valentine's Day. There's a beautiful baby. <laughs> oh, my God. Ding, ding, ding. We're talking about Cupid. Hi. Yeah, Cupid's a baby with a man's head. Oh, my God. Aaron's wearing cute glasses. Are you wearing glasses? Those are his driving glasses. They're cute. Uh, yeah, I need them at night. It's nighttime here. <laughs> oh, yeah. California here. Uh, you look really cute. I'm waiting for my glasses to come in. He's so cute. I'm driving. Can we ask your opinion? We, we just kind of voted. Do you think, because yeah. Cupid has a big man's face and hair and a baby's body, what do you think is in yeah. his dipe dipe? I think there's a baby uh, balls and penis. Okay, yeah, yeah. baby parts. We yeah. think if he like had the <laughs> that's for certain. That's why he's so smugly smiling at everyone while he shoots his arrows. He's got a he's got a yeah. surprise back there. Yeah, there's, there's nothing manly going on in that diaper. <laughs> I wait, love you. are we oh, allowed to tell? You. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, uh, Mo- uh, Monica wants to know if we're allowed to announce. Oh, the wedding? Yeah. Yeah, fuck yeah. Go into the chapel <laughs> and I mean, That's all I sing all day long. <laughs> <laughs> we're, um, I'm not the least we're bit surprised. We're going to the chapel Wednesday. That's all I sing. <laughs> Gonna have a baby. <laughs> I, have, I have so many verses to it. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna have a big man, baby. Okay. Congratulations, Aaron. Bye. Love you. Love you, baby. Bye, baby. Oh, it's always fun to mm-hmm. check in with Cheeks. So he doesn't know that we're flying there tomorrow to surprise him for the nuptials. That is so fun. You and Kristen are going. Yes, but I I was got nervous that you didn't know it was a surprise. But I didn't know it was going. Yeah. So uh, for the behind the curtain, when I would hold the FaceTime to Monica, I was behind her going. And I was pointing to myself, and she, uh, yeah, right. it couldn't have been obvious what I, I was. I didn't saying. know what was happening, but I'm oof, I'm really glad I didn't. Yeah, I didn't even think of that when I answered. Yay. Okay, you're well, gonna, cat's out of the bag. You're going to go. You're <laughs> to gonna... the chat. Oh, and Aaron's I'm so happy for Me him. too. An armchair marriage. An armchair Yes. I wonder if, boy, I wonder if that's the first or there's been many. 
Oh, that'd be nice if they it were men. would. I like that legacy. Yeah, me too. Unless they get divorced. It's an ugly divorce. Wow. And then one of the members cuts the house in half with a chainsaw and then that car in half. You always hear about those stories. <laughs> People go mad and they cut everything in half. <laughs> oh, my God. They're so common. They sure are. Okay, Nicholas. I wonder if when we become really tight, I can call him Nikki. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, I would ease into that. Okay. Who was Fassbender in the X-Men movies? Mm. He was Magneto. Magneto. <laughs> Ma- oh, young Magneto, I guess. Speaking of a full-grown penis and balls. He has them. Yeah, that's what he's kind of known for. Yeah. Some shame. 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 I'm n- I had never seen <gasps> it. Fuck. I gotta watch it. It's incredible. There's a lovemaking scene that is so fucking accurate. It's insane. I don't, I've never seen one that was so really? real. Yeah. What is so real about it? From the engagement, it's one shot. Oh. It's not spiced up with cuts and close-ups. It's just the carnal coming together and how that unfolds. And to me, is just as real as it gets. Yeah. Like, I was like, oh, my God, I'm having, like, mirror neurony kind of yes i know this like i could feel the whole thing while watching it it was wow. it was really wild oh yeah. shame 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 there's another fastbender fact okay um, Fast fact? what's fastbender's youtube porsche racing show called oh it's called road to le mans oh shit yeah that's really ding ding dingy because if you recall in Brothers Justice, I that that was that rang a bell. In Brothers Justice, one of the movies you find out I tried to make was called Twenty Four Hours of Lamont or something. Twenty Four Hours of Live Lamont. I don't know. And then some weird car chase scene where maybe Carly's wearing a beret, chasing me in a Porsche, and I'm in the AC Cobra. And yeah. And there's a lot of ECUs, extreme close-ups of my package. Right. Because I'm wearing very thin French pants. Sure. And then I would bounce my body around really radically as if during the car chase, everything down there was just getting wild. Yeah. And there's a exorbitant amount of jangling private parts, which Nate and I just couldn't get enough of we thought that was the funniest thing and i ever. think that part was in black and white if i do remember of course yeah. it was french new, new wave <laughs> <laughs> cinema verde it is a ding 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 because penis yes that's penis what i'm saying is, oh, a, but that makes sense for valentine's day yeah sure yeah. i'm supposed to have a party today right because I need to have a... Um, you want to stake a claim. I do. I want to have a holiday that I can throw at my house. And lots of holidays are taken. So I've decided to take on Valentine's It's Day. a great idea. Yeah. Will you encourage lovemaking in the backyard? Sure. I can set up a tent. Oh, great. That's it. Okay. That's great. It was, it was two fast bender facts. Yeah. Two fast facts. All right. I got to watch Road to Lamar. Yeah. You have to watch... Although, the great... Uh, hold on one second. Okay. I, I got to fact check the fact check. Uh-oh. I mean, I could be wrong. I am afraid that that's actually McDreamy's doc series. Oh. Not Fassbender's. I mean, it says Michael Fassbender oh. Road to Le Mans. What's, what's Patrick Dempsey's doc series? I, his is also about going to Le Mans. All of us actors, man, we want to go to Le Mans. Racing Le Mans. Okay. So you see that? Patrick Dempsey also has a docuseries called Racing Le Mans. Wow. Road to racing. Racing, 24 hours to live. <laughs> you take your pick. I promise you that as good as both of those actors' Le Mans shows are certainly, they certainly are, there is not an excessive amount of junk jingling 
Yours is <laughs> chock full of JJ's. Takes the cake for <laughs> junk jiggling. <laughs> All right, I love you. All right, happy Valentine's Day. Happy, happy anniversary. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Mm-hmm.